You're listening to State Change, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. I'm your host, Arthur Falls. Today, York Rhodes of Microsoft explains how blockchain technology fits into the software giant's long-term roadmap. Actually, came out of uh, college uh, eons ago with a computer science degree, and uh, spent the first eight years of my career in in uh, programming. And uh, only in 1992 did I sort of look up and say, "Hey, let me let me you know do something else uh, in the in the computer field." Um, so I uh, actually went to work for Microsoft in 1992 and spent eight years at Microsoft working on what at the time was a revolutionary new product um, called Microsoft Exchange, which was, uh, you know, just, you know, today we, 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 we take email and, and instant messaging for granted. But uh, at that time, unbelievably, uh, there were a lot of enterprise businesses that weren't even on email yet. So uh, I spent eight years doing that, um, got to uh end of 1999 and sort of looked around again and said, hey, what do, what do I want to do for the next 10 or so years? And I kind of felt like I had missed the, the hardcore focus on the internet because I was so focused on email. Um, so I was like, you know what, mobile internet's going to be really interesting. So let me go you know, find a way to do mobile internet. And at the time, Microsoft really didn't have any assets in the space. So I had to look outside of the company. So I spent the last 15 years um, up until about a year ago, uh, hardcore in the mobile internet space, lots of different roles um, in different companies, including IBM Global Services, um, Goldman Sachs Investment Banking, um, uh, an e-commerce startup that was focused on um, uh, mobile experiences for uh, e-commerce companies and, and major retail enterprises. Uh, some time in digital marketing, um, getting to know how people, in the early days anyway, how people made money on the internet before Bitcoin. Um, and then uh, sort of saw an opportunity to um, go back to Microsoft and, and really didn't look at it that way. I was, I was kind of looking for something new to do in uh, late 2000 or early 2014. And uh, I, as I looked around the space, I was like, well, you know, what's going on over at Microsoft and Microsoft is about to make a CEO change. So I kind of let that happen and, you know, monitored what was going on after Satya Nadella came into role and things seemed really interesting. And I was like, wow, that's, this is probably going to be like one of the largest corporate pivots in history. I think I want to be involved. So then I kind of had to get over uh, the feeling of going backwards in my career for 15 years. Uh, because I had left, literally left Microsoft 15 years ago. And um, once I got over that, what I, what I did was sort of challenge myself. And this is kind of how I helped myself get over it was I kind of identified the type of role that I'd like to have if I was going to go back to Microsoft. And if I could find that role, then it would make sense for me to really look at, uh, look at the opportunity. So I found that role. And so what I do today at Microsoft is I work on a corporate team. Um, the corporate team is a global team that is focused on globally relevant partners. And we help those partners uh, obviously embrace the Microsoft machine that it is. So we bring partners like Consensus into uh, the Microsoft soft umbrella, look at the assets that we can bring to bear 
to help mature and scale and embrace um, you know companies like Consensus and all of the products that you know come out of the portfolio of Consensus. And so we also do it in a very select way, which is also interesting and also you know kind of kind of great for a company like Consensus. Literally, I'm not really supposed to touch more than eight partners in any single year. So that means it's a very highly selective process. Um, and the partners that we do work with have gone through a fairly good vetting process. Um, so, and, and that's one of the things that I like to tell people because they don't sort of get how Microsoft works. There are people obviously who in Microsoft who focus on very, very broad outreach, um, sometimes called audience or, or marketing. And they'll also deal with startups and partners in various different emerging spaces, but they won't get the depth and the handholding that, uh, that my team does. And so we do that very strategically. Uh, we look at what is Microsoft's goals for the next year, two or three, and that's where we focus our efforts. So obviously, uh, Microsoft Azure is a huge uh, goal for the company. So our team is primarily focused on interesting companies and opportunities in the Azure space. So that's kind of uh, my role at Microsoft and also a little history. Um, does that answer the question? Beautifully. You described uh, the biggest corporate pivot in, uh, in history. Could you elaborate on that pivot? Sure. So, um, I mean, as I mentioned, I was, I was at Microsoft in the 90s, so I had some sense of what the company was uh, and how it grew up, you know, from the Bill Gates days into the Steve Ballmer days. And, you know, the companies in the 90s grew from a company that really had a small, uh, relatively small portion of uh, desktop mindshare in terms of its products, and then built a pretty massive machine in terms of the office suite of products, you know, garnering like 80% market share. In 1995, um, did what I believe is one of the things that heralded the uh, current state of the internet as we see it today, which is to ship um, the first version of a desktop operating system with a TCP IP stack embedded in it by default. Um, and these were, this was the early days of the internet in 1995. Uh, most networks at the time were actually running Novell. Um, so, you know, there was pretty interesting um, opportunity to look at Windows as an asset and say, what do we do to herald you know, the, the digital revolution that we believe is coming via the internet. And that was a key sort of decision point to build TCP IP into that stack. Um, in the 90s, the company, while I was there, the company grew from about 6,000 people to 12,000 people. Um, so it was still a relatively small company. And during that time period, grew into a company that actually could serve the needs of corporate America in the back-end server space. So it came from sort of the, the front office, you know, office space, Windows space on the desktop and really had to grow into the responsibility and the credibility to have a server suite of products. Microsoft Exchange was one of the first ones. SQL Server was one of the first ones. And by the way, SQL Server didn't start out on Windows. SQL Server started out on OS2, which was a partnership between IBM and Microsoft. So there was a lot of growing up that happened in, in the 90s. Now, it was also a company that started out when software was shipped on CDs and actually started out when software was shipped on diskettes and went to CDs and DVDs. So the distribution mechanisms for software that the company dealt with from a legacy perspective was also you know, a, a piece of hardware to get the software installed. So in this, licensing models were very different than they are today. And so the, the corporate pivot is essentially 
how do you take a legacy of a massive number of products that are used to being distributed not through the web and not downloaded and not iterated on in the way that a piece of cloud software is iterated on um, and change the development cycles, the development mindset, the distribution mindset, the way the company actually sells and works with enterprise customers. So that's what I mean by a corporate pivot. Now, we're very fortunate to have someone like Satya Nadella who came out of the cloud group at Microsoft, which was a relatively nascent group uh, a few years ago. And to remove the shackles of the legacy and the very successful legacy, but nevertheless a legacy of shipping software in a way that is not delivered today via the cloud. So that whole mindset, I think, would have been very difficult to make the shift, you know, without having someone who had both feet fully grounded uh, in the cloud space like Satya Nadella does. Okay, and that uh, that brings us quite nicely along to the next uh, question I have, which is, what is Microsoft Azure's blockchain as a service platform, and and what's its goals and uh, and relevance in the Microsoft product roadmap? I think the the interesting thing is that you know you have like the cloud was disruptive uh, five plus years ago. Um, there's opportunities always for new disruptive. I think the the awareness um, coming, you know, watching the Bitcoin space, particularly from people in software, was um, okay. That's interesting, but it's a it's a payment it's a payment vehicle. And in fact, if you go to a Microsoft store online, you can use Bitcoin to uh, to purchase product. You can use Bitcoin to purchase product in in the Xbox. So it's not like it wasn't relevant, but it was relevant purely from a payment vehicle perspective. So uh, like uh, all the folks who are deeply grounded in the blockchain space, a lot of people were monitoring this and realized along the way that there is some more interesting underlying technology that enables uh, you know, the concept of a, a virtual currency in Bitcoin. So we, we started monitoring it. And as we are uh, you know, doing our internal due diligence and monitoring it, it started to look like you know, this is something that's very interesting, right? And then you, know, you start to see the interest from enterprise customers. So while it is very early, if you look at some of, or listen to some of the stories I told earlier about the evolution of uh, Microsoft server products and Microsoft Office products, the, ma- the maturity curve will happen a lot more quickly because of where we are today with the internet and cloud technologies. But Nevertheless, there, there is a maturity curve that, that has to happen. So we're very early in the space. So some of the things that, what do you do as a large enterprise when you're very early in a space? You have to kind of figure out how do you get involved? What makes sense? And we have, as a, as a company, a very strong partner-oriented culture. So partnerships are uh, a very logical place to start when, when you are uh, new to, you know, when something new is happening. So, you know, we have, for example, we have a partnership with Uber, right? So Uber is a very interesting, you know, peer, in a sense, peer-to-peer, although centralized vehicle for, you know, transacting taxis, right? So there's all different types of things that we do in partner space. So embracing partners is key always to how Microsoft goes to, goes to market. And in an early space, it's actually even more key because it enables us to be in the community, hear what our partners are hearing, and help our partners more quickly scale and more quickly mature. So as we do that, we look at 
the, the point that I made earlier about embedding TCP IP uh, stack into Windows 95. And we look at assets like that. We look at how, how can we help mature something that's really interesting and leverage Microsoft assets to help provide a vehicle for that maturity. So what a lot of the thinking, and I think this is very different than some of our competitors, just based on you know, where we are in the market and the type of products that we have um, and assets that we have, we look at how can we leverage Windows? How can we leverage Office? How can we leverage Visual Studio? How can we leverage the cloud? How can we leverage our database products? And we look across the spectrum and say, hmm, it's very interesting. How could we actually add something here? How could we embrace partners more closely in this particular uh, technology stack and what have you? So, you know, I think most companies, if you ask the same question of, of other large enterprise software and hardware companies in the space, I would say that uh, strategy is probably evolving. But I think as a general framework, uh, the way Microsoft looks at the world is how do we help our partners uh, accelerate, right? And so accelerate both maturity and as well as scalability. How, so how do you plan to leverage blockchain and smart contract technology? Yeah, so good question. So, and, and I don't even think in my answer, I use the word, um, the terminology blockchain as a service. So we're looking at, at obviously the ecosystem of partners and the growth of the cloud and the way a lot of partners move into the cloud. You know, they start out with very infrastructure-focused uh, products, and you know, while you can move those into the cloud, they don't scale particularly well. So when we when we call things like platform as a service or blockchain as a service, what we're thinking about is how do we more closely integrate those technologies and make them things that you can purchase on a uh, call it a transaction basis. Define whatever you'd want to define as the transaction. Um, but you know, purchase things by the by the drink versus you know purchasing an, an all-up license for something. So I think that's an important aspect as we as we look at what we really envision from a blockchain as a service perspective. It's an ecosystem. It's technologies. It will be infrastructure technologies. It will be as a service technologies and, and offerings and a rich place for enterprise customers as well as partners that are relevant to enterprise to play. And it's one of the values of a lot of the things that we're doing within Microsoft Azure is how do you quickly get a developer who is typically an enterprise developer who probably has Visual Studio on their desktop up and running quickly, tooled up and understand and getting to the point where they can even start to understand what does it mean to do development in Solidity or what does it mean to do development of a smart contract? There's a whole bunch of stack that they have to actually go and figure out what they need. So one of the things we're trying to do to accelerate that is provide the tooling through our great partners to actually have stacks available and have plugins to Visual Studio. So now as an enterprise developer, you can go into the Azure Marketplace and stand up a block app Strato uh, VM that enables you to have a blockchain development environment at your fingertips and running in the cloud not having to worry about a you know corporate enterprise install. And then we can do the same thing with Visual Studio. We can act, we're actually in development right now to offer uh, Visual Studio essentially through the cloud as a service. Um, and then there's also Visual Studio online. So there's a lots of things that we can do. And then if you think, well, I'm not a I'm not a Windows person, I can't use Visual Studio. We have a product called Visual Studio Code, which is our cross-platform offering for Visual Studio. So we have a ton of developers on 
OS X and Mac operating systems, as well as Linux, who are running uh, Visual Studio Code as a, as a developing IDE of choice. So plugging into that from a blockchain perspective is also uh, really important. Other things that I think you know, we look at is you know, how do we take, some, uh, take advantage of some of the products uh, that sort of sit behind the scenes in, in our enterprises? As an example, we don't actively go out and sell our directory product to enterprises. But if you look at probably most enterprises around the world, they're probably using our directory product in the background. And so it's an interesting asset to, uh, to think about leveraging. You know, how, does, how does blockchain fit into an enterprise permissioning system? How does blockchain fit into enterprise identity systems? And how can we help you know, bridge that gap that in theory or speculation exists today? So blockchain as a service is a lot of things, and going forward, it will be many more things. And uh, so it's an exciting time, um, you know, with lots of possibilities on the horizon. Cool. Um, so you actually, I've, I've been writing down all these notes, and you've been quite effectively answering every question that I, uh, that I, I jot down. But there's one you mentioned earlier about uh, a Visual Studio. Uh, does Microsoft have plans to include Solidity in the Solidity language in Visual Studio? So what we're actually doing is we will be, we're working with partners uh, in this space to integrate Solidity language as a plugin into Visual Studio so that an enterprise developer can actually, both on the desktop as well as through Azure, as well as in Visual Studio Code, which is a cross-platform offering, have an option to utilize Solidity as a language within that, within that tool base. Fantastic. Thank you very much, York. This has been a really great uh, a really great chat and I look forward to speaking with you in the not too distant future. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thank you, Arthur. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.